0: news drives markets and every day montel's experienced reporters are on top of the stories that shape european market developments can you afford to miss out go to montelnews.com for the latest price driving stories and a free trial Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Montel Weekly Podcast. Bring you energy matters in an informal setting. We are returning after a short summer break. So for all those at work, we hope you enjoyed your holiday. And to those listeners on holiday, have a very enjoyable break. Today we're talking gas and we're discussing current market dynamics and joining me, Richard Sverson, is a regular on the pod, I'd like to say. Uh, You know, Wayne Bryan, warm welcome to you. Hey, good afternoon. Nice to be back here, actually. It's been a while. It's great to have you here, Wayne, as ever. So we're talking gas basically today. Now we're, we're seeing a little bit of a rally in current prices what's behind this when
1: uh, i think as we just discussed uh, when i came in here i think what we've seen we were in a nice position the last couple of months range bound prices everything was very comfortable supply was there demand wasn't too great and then we saw the rise uh, in henry hub over recent days that's helped lift i mean the u.s molecule is important and it's proven now because that's helped lift futures across europe and also the asian prices ticked up a bit as well also, we've had a bit of concern around Velky. Velky nominations dropped from the stable 1,100 to around 700, partly offset by flows on Malna have been lifted slightly. And now there's the backhaul's been set up and there's some reverse nominations now at Velky because that's only been available since March. So that spooked the market a little bit. We've got some concerns around nuclear. We mentioned French nuclear, temperatures are rising, water levels obviously inflows are gonna be impacted, which means they might have to shut off more reactors over the coming days. German uh, gas for power burn is above the four year average and actually lignite usage is also below the four year average. So we've seen what the low price environment has done in terms of spurring some additional demand, even though overall power demand is down, gas for power demand is up. So it's been a bit of a cocktail of things. And I was saying this yesterday, let's not forget, the price is still cheap. Mm. Um, If you compare it to a year ago, this is still cheap gas. And once we saw the price start to rise, we then start seeing momentum build. People don't want to get caught short, so then start buying. That fed into the, into the rally we've seen over recent days. I still think around the €7 Euros a megawatt hour will prove to be difficult to get above, technically, if things remain the same. Any new fundamental changes to the supply-demand mix might see it push above. But we still see the actual further upside potential is kind of limited. And I haven't even mentioned maintenance. we has got quite a heavy maintenance schedule over the next four weeks or so so yeah a little bit of bullishness but for me overall we're still in a good position and it'd be interesting to see uh, what happens at the end of next month with storages etc because we're only what seven weeks less than seven weeks away from winter
0: Wayne excellent summary there uh, as ever but what I, I'd like to go into each of those points really or or some of those uh, maybe not everyone but um, I think starting with the US Henry Hub What's driving those up? I think you've seen a decline
1: in feed gas and obviously cooling demand has ramped up with really above average temperatures. Mm. I think productivity, if you look at the rig count as well, that can give you some idea of gas and associated gas production. So yeah, I think that, that's just driven it up. And again, that was also very cheap. And I think it's, it, it needed to do that. And we might see now some US exports. I think I was reading something yesterday. I forget the name of the company, Tellurian. Excuse me if I pronounce that wrong. They're talking about offering it at $350 for exports when really we, we generally look at around six 650 mm. So LNG developments, again, are going to drive the price like it has already because we all expected this big LNG uh, supply glut into this summer. And then the US cancellation sort of, Got rid of that excess we expected. But looking at September, there's rumors around 25 to 30 cargoes have been cancelled, maybe even less which is a decrease from what we saw in
0: July and August. And you mentioned Velki. That's the Slovakian, uh, that's the hub, uh, or basically the entry exit point on, on the Slovakian-Ukrainian border, isn't it? What, what's happening there? Well, normally Velki uh, used to flow into Europe at around 1,100 a day, and it's
1: been very stable. I mean, I write about it a lot of days I'm on the morning report, and it's yeah, it's been stable at 1,100, but what we saw from the 1st of August, nominations fell to 700. Like I said, slightly offset. By a slight increase in Malno flows, but the reverse flow situation now at Velki has enabled them to nominate back. So we mm-hmm. saw quite elevated nominations uh, on the reverse side for Velki, uh, which will probably feed into Ukrainian storage, which is now, I think, close mm. to 22 uh, levels now. So, yeah, mm. that's the situation. It took the market by surprise. And also there was some Budin's maintenance that was shifted across that sort of facilitated this. So while it was a, a sort of concern, I think it will recover uh, over the coming months. And it's just a temporary blip. And yeah, I don't see uh, any long-term issues there.
0: Malno, for those listeners who are unaware, is the, the Polish entry Correct. exit hub, isn't it? I mean, we're still awash with gas really in Europe, aren't we, wayne So I, I'm just wondering, you know, but at the same time, supply does seem to be tightening. Would that be a fair assumption? A little bit, yeah. We've yeah. seen
1: a drop in uh, Norwegian flows. Norwegian flows have been quite erratic when it comes to Langled. We've seen definitely some price-activated sort of flows. It's sort of in line with what Equinor said, I think, a few weeks ago, where they said they're going to prioritise price over volume. So that gives you a little indication into the insight from there. So, But like you said, supply is still reasonably ample but we've got a lot of maintenance coming and throwing the slowdown in lng throwing increased uh demand from the power sector and it's created a little bit of tightness but let's just not forget where the storage levels are Um, and there's obviously going to be quite a few injections into storage over the coming weeks as well which is another
0: supporting factor so you mentioned the maintenance on the slovakian hub or entry exit point i should say we've seen some Coming up in Norway, coming up in in Kolsnes, Korssta, and and Troll. I mean, yeah. What what? So Don't hold your breath. Okay. For their
1: maintenance is because it's it's constant. They're changing them, revising them. Whether it's COVID impacts or whether it's mm. actually commercial decisions. With I mean, like I said, when I write my morning report recently. I'm checking Gasco page constantly, because for some, there's seven or eight revisions per maintenance. So they're constantly shifting. Even in the UK, we've seen a similar situation with Barrow, which keeps extending its maintenance period. So maintenance is a has been a supportive and a, and a weakness. I mean, it depends on when it falls. But now we've seen this whole bunch of maintenances planned uh, mid to the end of August, early September, both in the UK and in Norway. So
0: Again, wait till they happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because course, yeah, I, we're yeah, still not yeah.
1: sure whether they're going
0: to get moved again, as we've been seeing of late. Yeah, absolutely. So, in some sense, those that maintenance will prevent prices falling back to below three, won't it? I mean, uh, we. we the, the, again, the, dependent on any other factors that. Uh, yeah. Caveats with caveats, as yeah. always. But, yeah, it should do. That. I mean, you can't really. I mean, if prices fell to below three, I think around. €2.23 two euros, two euros 23 in, in, in in mid-May, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. we can't see. Do you see a return to those prices, Wayne? I, mean- I get asked this question quite a lot. And again, I'm, I'm not too sure at
1: the moment. There is a lot of talk. Um, there is a potential. If supply-demand fundamentals continue in this vein as we get closer to the start of the winter season and storages, which are already high, mm. in total use around 85%, then we could see a problem. Uh, and it depends on the dynamics. There's a lot of moving parts in this market at the moment. And it all depends on where we are in the next four to five weeks, And then I'll give you a more clear assessment. But I think if we did get back to that stage again, I think you might see, I wouldn't say collective, but you might see some producer turndowns, the likes of Russia, the likes of Norway, the likes of Algeria. You might see some production turndowns just to keep prices buoyed. I've seen people reporting, or sorry, seen people... Alluding to the fact we could see negative pricing, but I'm still not too sure about that. But again, I'll wait and see where we are in the next four to five weeks. And that'll give a clear indication.
0: Because it seems, you know, as we mentioned at the start, that we're on a bit of a rally. How long that will continue, obviously, is uh, you're more the expert than me. But we'll see how long that that lasts, Wayne. But uh, what about Russian flows? I mean... We've seen them, for example, Turkey, they're massively down as as Turkey looks more to, to LNG. Uh, is this a, a long-term trend, do you think, Wayne? I wouldn't say it's a long-term trend, but I think if you look at the strategy
1: over recent months in terms of, The overall strategy has been ever shifting. Like we saw normally when Velki goes under its maintenance, like it did a few weeks ago, normally we'd see an increase maybe through other routes. This time we saw withdrawals from storages, whether it was Bergamine, Hyda, there's a couple of storages they were using that to utilize. Also the ESP sales have been a big increase year on year. So that it, it seems like the strategy is changing and they're using the various different points. Two indeed, as you said, flows dropping here, increasing there. So I wouldn't say conundrum, but it, mm. it's given a fascinating
0: insight into their strategy if you really take a deep dive. Mm. Interesting, yeah. And you mentioned storage. What's the outlook here for the winter? Will they be full as we go into the winter season? Do you think,
1: or what? To, looking at where it is now, and looking at what we, we assess storage is to be close to fullness by the, by maybe even early September. But again, it's dependent on many things. However, storages are elevated. We, we were in a similar position last year. The only thing that kept us propped up last year was the Ukrainian deal concerns. Otherwise, we'd have been in the same situation. So I see some parallels. And I haven't even mentioned the word COVID yet, which is great. I've mentioned <laughs> well, that a lot recently. After 10 minutes, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, pretty impressed. I've yeah. uh, I'm not mentioned yeah. COVID. That's yeah. also a factor. Hmm. It's having different factors. You look at LDZ, for example, in the UK, and other p- remote working. If you're staying at home working, you're using more energy. Occupancy rates the houses are higher. So there's there's a lot of different things. And with what's going on now, with these second wave concerns, I think today Germany said that anyone coming from certain parts of Belgium will have to isolate as a UK citizen. I can't go to Spain. These sort of things as well will start to have an impact. Uh, And we see a lot of staycations across Europe this year, which again is going to have an impact. So COVID is there. It's still, as we, as we know now, the second wave concerns are, are really uh, rising. So that, again, we'll start looking at that uh, moving forward as well if we start to see. I think we're moving away from more national lockdowns and more regional, like we've seen in Aberdeen, like we've seen in different parts of mm-hmm. the world. I think in Amsterdam now, they're saying that you have to wear masks out in public. Again, that dissuades people from going out and... So yeah, the COVID will will still be there uh, and we'll
0: be looking at that in our season outlook um, for the coming winter, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, we'll return to that, I think, because obviously that's a key factor which will impact demand, certainly in the months and maybe even uh, the year ahead. Um, but if we return to supply and on the lng side you mentioned the us producers what about the qataris what's going on here what what's their strategy well I mean? it's interesting
1: because the qataris came out not too long ago saying they're not affected by covid they're going to continue pushing forward with their plans however we have noted a slight slowdown uh, over the recent weeks in terms of send outs but they they can absorb more of this uh, low-cost environment than others and you see they've already uh, secured a deal i think they're they're actually going to be building 100 ships and they've secured around 67% of global shipbuilding capacity over four years. So that gives you an idea of what they think. And exports to the UK, again, is a, can continue. What we've seen of late is Qatari cargoes of last resort, as we call them, uh, have been coming into South Hook because obviously they have an agreement if they can't find a more profitable destination. They send it to South Hook and South Hook receipts were a little bit higher uh, last month. And we may get a couple of cargoes this month as I think there's two on route. And we may see a couple of more. Like I mentioned earlier, there's a few that have left Rastafan without a firm destination. And we may see some of them coming into the UK. Similar with Europe, a slight slowdown in LNG send out. But I think we've seen a couple of new additions uh, this morning. So... It's a risk on for me uh, for the downside if LNG surprises, and like I alluded to earlier, a company we're talking about U.S. exports at three fifty. So let's wait and see on that front.
0: Absolutely. So that could cap any of the gains, it could, in the, uh, yeah, but also so. it could also, on the flip
1: side, start to slow down even more. But I personally don't see that. Asia's a key uh, player in this. Asian demand is key to sort of this whole balance. Mm. If Asia can soak up some extra supply, great. If not, then how is Europe gonna absorb it, put it into storage? Mm. I mean, storages are already close to fullness. So like I said, there's so many moving parts at the moment you can't really fully ascertain what's going to happen until we start getting a little bit closer. But we've all got ideas, and speaking to people in the market, hmm. everyone's of a kind of similar opinion. There might be a few outliers out there, but most people have a similar opinion on where we are at the moment.
0: And back to to US LNG. I mean, we've seen you mentioned the cancellations that we saw in July and certainly the start of August. What's the outlook here for the coming months? You need to look at the feed gas.
1: Uh, any recovery in feed gas should spill into some more increase in exports. Sorry. Um, at the moment, if you look at the rig count, it's still really low, I think in the late 180s. But you do have these DUC wells drilled but uncompleted. There's quite a lot of them that can still produce gas as well. So I think you need to look at the US feed gas flows into the LNG export plants to get a better idea on, on potential exports. And the, obviously the
0: price. If we go into demand, you mentioned Asian Demand is that is that picking up at the moment? A little bit, but again, we're seeing
1: it's different dynamics in that market. South Korea has been taking a bit less LNG. Looking at India, their demand isn't where it is, and they are having some real problems with uh, with COVID now, um, which is not a surprise for a country that size. It's looking at South Asia and some of the excess demand from there, like the Vietnamese, Thai, etc. They're looking uh, now to really switch uh, to more gas-fired uh, production. So if, they, if they, that demand starts ticking up a bit, then, then maybe that will help with the market. But also looking at China, US-China uh, relations now uh, the, geopolitically are ratcheting up. And I saw that China have taken a lot less LNG than they originally said they would under the agreement that was uh, a few months ago. So that, that's a concern. So looking at, on the geopolitics any ramp up in rhetoric between these two countries and I believe it's getting quite quite strong now. I think the US are going to Taiwan which is again creating problems so that's also key as well with China.
0: And what what, what impact would that have on, on, on the gas market then if, 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 they're if taking there's a trade war if, 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 if they're taking less obviously that has to go somewhere else doesn't exactly. it? yeah. yeah, yeah um, and where would it go? Else. Europe?
1: Uh, yeah. Could be but can we take it?
0: Yeah exactly. We don't, again, we don't know where we're going to be in, in the next four weeks five weeks in terms of storage levels but yeah can we absorb it? We don't know yet. Yeah no exactly and that's another you know aspect to this short-lived rally it may just be that peter out exactly Indeed. i mean uh, that's something that uh, clearly you we need to be very keep a clear eye on what's happening on the u.s uh, uh, china relations not great. just not just for for gas but generally in the, the commodities picture but, but what if we look at europe what's what's the outlook here i mean is there the power market is that absorbing some of the gas you know where's <clears> the demand <throat> for gas in europe well, as I mentioned, is, yeah.
1: yeah, German power demands above the four-year average that you guys did a story on the other day. So mm. that's rising. Lignite hard coal usage is down because of these cheap low gas prices. However, what we might see is a switch. If we start to see a recovery in gas prices, which we are now, that might then dissuade excessive switching. So I think that, to me, again, is something that I look at over the coming weeks after we get through this hot spell I think
0: demand will start to fall, but again, pr- prices will play its part. You know, and obviously one of the world cards here is what's happening in France with yeah. the nuclear availability, isn't it? I mean, what's your analysis here, Wayne? Can every you, year, Every year. Every, year. every, every autumn, is Even isn't when it? I was yeah. working in a previous role, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. you know, trading, it's always something I uh, took a look at and I was having a look at it the other day. And now we've got the rise in temperatures, which as you know, affects the temperatures of the river and then the flow, which means they might have to take more reactors offline. And we already look at where we are now. It's, it's below the three or four year average mm. for French nuclear. The forecast looks a bit better because EDF obviously revised up their end of year output. Mm. But it remains to be seen to me. I, I wouldn't hedge my bets on mm. that happening um, at the moment. So that is, is always a concern. Similar story in the UK. UK nuclear output's been very low. And obviously Belgium has its own problems as well. So nuclear again will be key if we see French nuclear output close to what EDF proposed a few or revised a few weeks ago revising it higher then perhaps it won't play a bigger part but experience tells me that french nuclears will always cause some volatility as we move towards and once we get into the winter season but even more so the next week or two because of this i mean london's gonna be 36 uh similar temperatures across europe and we saw what happened last time with the french nukes that happened so mm. again Something to keep
0: an eye on. Absolutely, could be another well, sort of uh, wild card. Yes. Um, but how about how about sort of wind? Is that is that you know will that as as the growth in wind across Europe will that will that reduce some of the gas? Supplies? Yeah, it's or a good you? point. I mean, the
1: right. uh, UK especially has been quite strong recently. I think yesterday we saw at one point I think it was thirty three percent of the mix was wind, about six seventeen percent solar, and then some biomass. So it was taking us over fifty percent, and obviously Germany very strong with wind. And a lot of countries now aiming towards this net zero have a lot of projects on the go. I'm not sure how COVID's going to impact these projects in terms of personnel, etc. But looking forward, yes, especially for me, the solar. Uh, solar's growing massively. And tomorrow, I think you're going to see a very good day for UK solar. I mean, cloud cover high today, but tomorrow we're going to have blue skies and you know, 35 degree temperatures. So, yeah, again, this is a growing area. And will how upset some of that power demand or oh, sorry, gas uh, Demand from the power sector, and it will only increase over the coming years.
0: Mm, absolutely. So that's maybe a little bit of a of a bleak outlook there for for the gas demand picture, isn't it? With, with the grain renewables. But I wouldn't it's call good, it bleak. But yeah, yes. no, yeah, yeah. But or you know, not so rosy. Anyway, or certainly pressurising gas demand. Correct. I think that would be a way to put it. But uh, you know, maybe it's good for the planet, but not so much so so positive for, for the gas. Indeed. Demand. You mentioned geopolitics as well, Wayne, and I'm just wondering, you know, are you closely following what's happening with Nord Stream too? And uh, yeah.
1: Yes. I mean, I presented for you guys in Dusseldorf last
0: year and I mentioned
1: uh, Nord Stream 2 and I, at the time, said I'd still think it would go ahead. I still think it will, but there's a lot of uh, pressure building from America at the moment. But I think Europe wants it, like Germany definitely wants it. So I think it will happen, but... I mean, who knows now? I mean, we're saying, I think Putin said by the end of Q1 21, and please don't quote me on that. (laughs) By the end of Q1 uh, 21, it should be operational. So we shall see. I think I read something yesterday or this morning saying one shipbuilders distance themselves from it so they won't be doing this last part of the pipeline. I think it's 97% complete. It's
0: almost almost there. It's almost there. I mean,
1: you've got to think the amount of investment been put into this, it's going to happen. But the US are, are pretty strong, but I'm no legal expert. So I don't know the full how much they can impact it obviously they have because people have pulled out certain partners but i still think it will happen but if you ask me when I, i'm i i do not know now i mean there's there's a
0: lot more uh, concerns around that but it will still happen and i think also uh, a lot will hinge on on what happens in the presidential election in 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 the u.s of course sure. of course a lot's yeah. going to depend on that not just in our markets but you know in related markets too Finally, Wayne, just to bring us back to the, the the C word, the COVID word, we're seeing sort of infections rise in, in in certain parts of Europe. This is obviously quite a large concern. What are your expectations for a potential second wave and how that could impact well, I that, think the gas market? We're already seeing it, yeah. uh, not potential. If you look at,
1: I was reading again, reading this morning the news and it wasn't painting a pretty pitch. I think record rises in France. Daily averages on a weekly basis, or sorry, weekly averages are now rising. And the UK was the same last night. They were talking about the the rise in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, it's a big concern. Australia now, six-week lockdown. Uh, we, I don't need to mention the US because we all know what's happening there. Mm. Um, yes, uh, even Vietnam, which has got real draconian measures uh, for lockdown. I think they, rec- they recorded another 50 cases yesterday, which for them is quite a big increase because... The first wave didn't really affect them. They shut the city or shut the country down quite quickly and people observed mm. all, the, all the rules that were put in place. So when you see outbreaks in places like that and then you've got the World Health Organization sending a, a team to, to South Africa, which is recording, again, record rates. For me, it's a bit... I always thought this second wave would arrive. As soon as you start seeing restrictions eased, there has to be uh, some rise. And again, I think until we see a vaccine, we're going to be in this situation for a while. I saw the American doctor, he said that we won't have this under control to at least the end of next year, maybe further, maybe it's with us forever. We still don't know so much about this. Mm. And I keep harping back to, we don't know what's happening, but again, it's true with COVID. No one knows where we're going to be with COVID. Do we need one dose? Do we need two doses? Yeah, if yeah. so, 14 billion doses? I mean, and also you've got to look at the the concerns economically for countries who don't want to force themselves back into this nationwide lockdowns that we are, we all went through uh, over the last few months because of the damage economically but at some point you're going to have to draw the line you know So, yeah, COVID is a. In terms of recovery as well, you know. Or it doesn't paint a pretty picture if you look at the economics and how much we're going to be, as taxpayers, going to be paying for this for a very long time. And the job record, jobless counts are rising. I think the tourism sector, they're looking over a million job losses, if not more. So yeah it's, it's not I'd like to paint a good picture towards the end of this but I just hope we get a vaccine as soon as possible and mm. we can get it out there but it's not going to be for a while
0: yeah I mean on a positive note Wayne it's been it's been great to have you here in our London office face to face although we are social distancing yes, uh, listeners uh, be assured and uh, it's you know we've we've talked certainly virtually and you know on the phone yes. uh, you know zoom in and everything but it's actually it's a it's a great privilege to, to have you here Wayne especially especially seeing as uh you've taken uh, this is this is actually the start of your annual leave well, your summer holidays yeah, so the
1: first you got me at a good time it's the yeah. first day of my leave i think after today i think i'll be switching off in terms of uh, markets for at least a couple of weeks bar the odd weekly check of course to keep abreast of what's happening so yeah he caught me on a good day so yeah looking forward to having a bit of a relaxing break actually and i'm intrigued to see where we are when i when i come back
0: exactly yeah we'll we'll follow up when you come back for sure Wayne. but thanks so much for coming in you know it's been a very interesting interesting discussion and it's always good to to hear your views on what's happening in the market You're welcome and uh, yeah, look forward to the next time. So listeners, that's all for this week. We're back again next week. In the meantime, catch up with all the latest news on Montel Online. Follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter and subscribe to the Montel Weekly Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you and goodbye.